The Lord shall give strength to his people. The Lord shall give his people the blessing of peace. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, your priest is a big believer in the power of naming. How names can reveal and perhaps even shape the course of our lives. There are some who are given names that you think, wow, from their very first breath, they are destined for something great. And some actually do live into their names. For instance, I have a friend whose last name is Priest. Guess what he is? Come on. He is. He's a priest. Yes, he is actually a priest. Father Priest. Although he jokes, don't call me Father Priest. But yes, he is Father Priest. And when you think of it, two of the greatest singers of all time, at least for me anyway, Elvis Presley and Johnny Cash, names that had a part in creating allure and mystique that fit them perfectly, given to them the day they were born. Well, perhaps you're thinking of someone right now Someone who has a name that's been a guiding force. I think of quarterbacks in football. Sterling. Stetson. How did their parents know to name them that? Some do. And clearly, for some, it has shaped their lives into what they've actually become. So I've shared many times this story about my boys and how they truly do live into their names. Forgive me if this is the hundredth time you've heard this story, but I'm going to share it again. Luke, my oldest, means light. He's my oldest. He's all kinds of light and energy. For those of you all who know him, you know that about him. Light and energy. Noah, my secondborn, Guess what his name means? Peaceful and restful. That is him to a T, except when he steps out onto the basketball court or the soccer field. He is not that on those two places. And then the third, he's going to be the end of me, as many of you all already know, Andrew. His, his name means manly, warrior. He is small, very small, but braver and stronger than any child I have ever known, especially more so than his two older brothers. The power of naming, it has reappeared in a strong way in recent days, not only with my kiddos, but ironically by way of the dog I rescued. Hmm. This dog is six. 
And she came with the name Ziva as her previous owners loved the show CSI. Okay, do you know where I'm going with this? Okay, so Ziva was named after the female agent. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes, okay, so we have a show of hands. So Ziva was named after the female agent, and her brother Gibbs, who looks just like her, is named after the male agent. Okay, so I don't watch this show, so I can appreciate that, Gibbs and Ziva. But I soon discovered that the female agent was from Israel. So it got me to wondering if Ziva, Ziva was Hebrew. So I did some research. You know, I'm kind of um, all about names. And to my great surprise and delight, I learned that Ziva is in fact Hebrew and Ziva means light of God. This might not be significant to most, but it was like a bolt of lightning for me. You see, I've just come through a very difficult season in my life for the last three years, one filled with sadness, darkness, and despair, one in which loneliness and gloom seemed to be my constant companions until it wasn't. This dog, Ziva, she came to me unexpectedly, literally fell out of the sky. And living into my rule of life, trying to be open and willing to receive new things and opportunities, I said yes to her, not ever having laid eyes on her, not even having for one second been in her presence. And then I saw her. Oh, then I saw her. Not only is she beautiful, well-behaved, and smart as a whip, she was a gift. And another example of God's brilliant, radiant light shining into my life at this particular time. A reminder to me that I have passed through this season of darkness and sadness. She's an everyday reminder to me of God's light. Dark days are much brighter now, as Ziva has become my faithful companion, a reminder of God's presence with me, faithful, gentle, and bright. If you look at her eyes, her eyes are bright. The power of naming, even with a dog. There is power in naming. Well, in this morning's gospel, Matthew tells of Jesus' baptism, yes. But that isn't all. It's significant to consider that not only is Jesus baptized, but in this moment he is named. The power of naming. After his baptism, there is a pronouncement from heaven accompanied by a dove which said, this is my son, whom I love, who I am well pleased with. He is given a name 
at the initiation of his ministry, this is God putting him to work. He is named. He's named as God's own son. He's identified as being pretty important, as being significant, because he is called my son. And then it's followed up with two rather tender statements. God says this about his son. First of all, I love you. And secondly, I'm really pleased. I love you and I'm pleased. There's no conditions given to this love. It's just there. And before anything is said or done, before Jesus goes about doing his ministry, God pronounces love upon his son. No matter what comes about or how life goes, just because he is, just because we are, we're loved. And God is pleased with us. So again, there are no conditions to this love. But Jesus does something that most of us sometimes have a hard time with. He accepts this love fully. He accepts it. He doesn't go around it. He doesn't take it on and give it off. He accepts it fully, and I am convinced this is what gives him strength. This is what empowers him to do the work that God has given him to do. Because he accepts this love and doesn't fight it. He knows that the Father's love is not going to go away. And to be filled with that kind of love, to believe it wholeheartedly, is radically transformative. And it is so strengthening. Because if you know the scriptures, and if you read what happens next, After Jesus is baptized, what happens? He goes directly into the wilderness. His testing begins. So Jesus is baptized, he's named, he's lavished with love, and then he is driven away where his testing begins. There isn't a nice segue into when his testing begins. It begins immediately. And what that says to me is we're in the same position, y'all. Baptism doesn't give us a reason to not be tested, to not undergo suffering or pain, because we know it will come. It will come because it came for Jesus. But what we do carry with us is what God told his son. You are beloved. You are a beloved child of God. So even before the testing begins, we can be assured that we are loved. Regardless of what may happen, or how it may end up. We are loved without condition, and our job is to try and accept this love as best as we can. 
to be able to recognize and accept unconditional love, to be able to look in the mirror. And this is hard. I remember at the peak of my darkness, I didn't even want to look at myself in the mirror. But one day something changed. And I went to the mirror, and I looked at myself in the mirror for 30 minutes. I set a timer, and I told myself over and over and over just this. You are good. You are loved. Has anybody ever done that? It's a very humbling thing. I remember I had just stepped out of the shower. Hair was a wreck sop and wet and again I looked at myself and I started to weep and I said I can't keep doing this so I changed the narrative that day I blew my nose I wiped my eyes I wiped the mirror with the towel to take all of the mist away and I stared at myself in the mirror for 30 minutes. And again, and again, I told myself, it is good. You are good. Why did you do that, Suzanne? Well, I'll tell you why. We know that we are good because... It reflects, you reflect, the one who made all things good. We are a reflection of God himself. And way back in Genesis, there is a pronouncement after every single thing he made, it is good. We have to believe that. That's part of accepting this great love. Accepting this love, I mean really accepting this love. Looking yourself in the mirror and telling yourself that you are loved. And allowing his love to abide in your heart. Not only your heart, but your soul and your body. Knowing and believing that it can be healing balm and it can strengthen you for whatever wilderness you may be walking. But recognizing humbly, recognizing in a humble way that this love is for you and me. Not resisting it, or worse yet, flat out rejecting it. I will say many fully accept this love on the day of their baptism. They do. And for others, it can take a lifetime to claim their identity as a beloved child of God. But one of my spiritual heroes, Henri Nouwen, he wrote, I don't know how many books about what it means to be a beloved child of God. All of us, we are named after we are born. 
You may or you may not like your name. I've struggled with my name most of my life, especially what it means. Do you know what your priest's name means? Oh, gosh. Graceful Lily. That's what my name means. I don't know if I do a good job of being a graceful Lily, but I try. <laughs> this reading this morning, it promises that no matter how powerful our earthly names are, they do not define us. What defines us is the name given to us by God alone. That is, beloved son, beloved daughter, that is what defines us. So I dare you, find a mirror. Still yourself in your heart. Go to it. Look at yourself. And remind yourself of what is true. You are good enough. You are loved. And most importantly, you are a beloved child of God just like our Jesus, just like our Savior, he too. We are as well. And if you don't hear anything this morning other than this, please take this to heart. Your name in the eyes of God will forever be my beloved son, my beloved daughter, my beloved child. I love you. When you look in the mirror, know that you are a reflection of God himself. You were created in his image. And you are good. And you are loved. You are a beloved son. You are a beloved daughter. Repeat these words. Repeat them. Remind yourself. And if you need help reminding, come to me and say, Mother Suzanne, what do I need to remember? And I'll tell you. Courageously believe it. And let the waters of baptism remind you of this, just like Jesus. You have been given new life where there is joy and where there is peace, but first death must come. And sometimes death comes unexpectedly. And I don't mean physical death, but maybe it's the death of a relationship. Maybe it's the death of a way that you thought life was going to be. Whatever that is, it will come. But when it does, know that there is also something more powerful than death. And that is resurrection. Resurrection. Where there is death, there is life. And thanks be to God, God is always in the process of making new. All things new. So find a mirror today. 
tell yourself that you are good and that you are loved. You will be different after you do it, I promise. You are loved, dear people of grace. Thanks be to God. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.